When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, here we go. Uh, we'll go for like uh, 40 minutes. We'll take up, you know, Duncan's bored as hell anyway. So we're doing him a service here, I think, more than he's doing us. <laughs> All right, here we go. Gonna take it. Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, welcome in another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. He's Bob Ryan. I'm Jeff Goodman. Uh, If you're listening to it on audio, uh, you're good. If you see this on video, uh, Bob Ryan, man, technology has gotten the the best of Bob Ryan. No doubt about it. You can see Duncan Robinson. uh, You can see myself. But uh, Bob was flawless for a couple months early in the pandemic. And since that, Duncan, it's been an absolute train wreck. So he's going to be a little bit frustrated today. But we got to kind of talk him off the ledge. Good morning, Duncan. Good morning. Good morning. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I brought bad luck with the technology, so I apologize for that. I know. Well, it's it's story of my life. I'm having an awful day and uh, in that regard. But now we're going to brighten it up. So uh, uh, I got to tell you one thing before we get started here. Uh, I don't know if you know this, and I I, uh, I don't remember what year I did it. You may have been there, but I gave the commencement address at Governor's Academy one year. Wow! Unbelievable, man. Yeah, I did. I was. I don't uh, think it was. I don't think it was my senior year, but that's uh, a like right there. I'd like to think that if it were, you would have remembered it. So I'm glad to hear that. Good thing, no, Bob, I, I, hey, good thing he didn't have to do it this year online. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Anyway. anyway. Right, listen, Duncan is Newcastle's own, um, which is only about 25 minutes from, from me. And I, I drive over there uh, every so often to try to figure out what basketball court you started uh, – growing up shooting at in, in Newcastle, or did you make your way to Portsmouth and try to find a run there? I mean, there's not a whole lot around there, Duncan. Yeah, well, well there's only one court in Newcastle, um, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. It's just the one at the, uh, the elementary school there. Um, but, yeah, I grew up shooting there a lot. And then, obviously, like you mentioned, um, you just tend to kind of move further and further to find better competition. So it starts and going to Portsmouth and, and, you know, obviously the rest of the, the great Granite State. But then from there, I, ha- I had to move down to Massachusetts and um, ended up, you know, spending a lot of time in the greater Boston area as well. All right. So you are now uh, in a hotel room. Um, you got there last night. 
you know, you, you're starting the whole process here of uh, quarantining, uh, you know, for the bubble in the NBA. Uh, give us, give us some feel. What, what's the hotel? What hotel are you at? What's the food been like so far? I see you got the wristband, the green wristband on there. Yeah. I mean, we, we all heard about it beforehand. You're living it now. How cool is it? Uh, it's, it's it's been great so far. Definitely a little bit of a surreal experience. Obviously, there's been a ton of anticipation for it. Um, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while now. So to actually be in it and living it um, has been interesting. It, to be honest with you, it hasn't been super eventful so far. We got it last night. Um, we just kind of went through a, a basic protocol meeting, about 15 minutes with the league. And then we all went off into our, our different rooms. So we're in the, the first quarantine stage, which is basically everybody has to get two negative tests before they're able to actually leave their room and, and enter the, the bubble. Have you gotten your, your first meal delivered? I mean, what, what's it been like? I mean, is this like plain yeah. food? Is this like regular commercial? Cause I know you did commercial at one point in your life before you got to Ann Arbor, at least <laughs> now you're spoiled. Uh, is this like your typical uh, plain food on, on a commercial flight or what is it? They, they've, they've made a really great effort. Um, they've been working with our, our dietitians to make sure that everything's, um, you know, there and what we need to stay fueled. Uh, the food's been pretty good. It's, it's different in that every part of the meal is like kind of packaged on its own just for sanitation purposes. So it's, it has uh, a little bit different look of a presentation. Um, but so far I've, I've had two meals. I had dinner last night and breakfast this morning and both have been good. So I, I got no complaints. All right. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, how much dinner? How much shooting were you able to do anywhere in this inter, you know, this interrupted period of your life? So right when the season went on uh, hiatus, it was it was tough to find a, a hoop, honestly. Um, and, and our organization really urged us to to just stay inside and shelter in place. Right when this was all kind of first starting to to happen, um, I was able to to go over to assistant coach's house. He had a sport court at his house. Sports, and I was in you know beautiful Miami, Florida. So it's uh, it's sunny out there. So I was able to get outside and shoot a little bit, but, um, and then after probably a month or so, a month and a half, our facility opened back up, but we were under really strict protocol, but, uh, just to be able to work one-on-one with a coach, um, was great and just be able to get back in the gym in that regard, um, helped a lot. So that was able to kind of, you know, work, work myself back into a little bit of a rhythm. Um, but then, you know, just at the end of last week, our, uh, our facility got shut down again, just because we mm-hmm. had had some positive tests. So it's been, you know, kind of touch and go, but everybody's been sacrificing in some capacity, obviously. So you just kind of, kind of make do with, with what you got. How long before you think you get your legs back? How, you know, your shot, I assume you're probably not that worried about your shot. Uh, although you were, you were playing at a high level before, uh, before the pandemic hit. Uh, but to get your legs back, to, to get to kind of 100%, how long do you think it's going to take? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, the one thing the organization's been great with is, we've been doing a, a ton of conditioning um, when we have been able to get into the gym. And then even when we haven't, um, we've been going to like turf fields and, and tracks and stuff just to try to keep our wind. Cause obviously, you know, that's, that's one of the hardest things to get back in terms of you really have to rep it out. Um, and it's the first thing to go too when you take a little bit of a break, you lose your wind, but obviously, you know, it's, there's a difference between running on a track and then also being in game shape. So that's what these really, these next two and a half, three weeks are for before we actually play is to work back in the five on five and, um, you know, the demands of getting up and down the floor and, uh, you know, playing for long stretches. So it, it'll be an adjustment, but, you know, probably the best way to do it is, is to play, play your way back into shape. So I imagine in our, 
little training camp that we have lined up here. There'll be a lot of competing, a lot of, you know, five on five getting up and down. How much discussion uh, from your training staff and coach, particularly uh, as well as coaching staff about things any of you can do to try to prevent injury in the circumstance. I know a lot of people speculated from the outside that injury is a really, uh, you know, so obviously it's a legitimate concern with this compressed period of time you have to get ready for your, which left after your season. Yeah, you know, it, it'll require an effort from, from all parties. Obviously, you know, the players um, in knowing their bodies and listening to their bodies. And then also, you know, our, our coaching staff and knowing, you know, when to push us, when we can go hard for practice and, and when maybe we need to take a little bit of a lighter day. And then obviously also our, our training staff, staff is awesome. Um, and they, they really kind of lead the charge with that in terms of what we need from a player standpoint um, and a recovery standpoint. So it'll be, uh, I, I imagine early on, you know, it's not like we're just going to go full on five on five, just like it would be a, a normal training camp. But there will be a little bit of a, a break-in period in terms of just getting back into used to playing and competing like that. How crazy is it for you now? I mean, I saw you last year in Minneapolis um, at the final four and you walked in there and nobody really knew who you were. Right. I mean, let's face it. Like some people knew, but, but you had your hat on, nobody knew you were an NBA player and you had just kind of broken into the league. Now, a year later, you're a guy who started a ton of NBA games for a team that, that I don't, you know, maybe you're not one of the leading contenders, but certainly you guys had a hell of a year before everything got shut down. I, I mean, coming from, Newcastle to Williams to Michigan where a lot of people thought you, you'd just be a role guy to getting in the NBA to now where you're, you're starting for a contender in the NBA what what is I mean you must pinch yourself at times and be like I can't believe this has happened no yeah um I'll say a couple of things first off I, I still am pretty anonymous um which which I like you know I, I'm able to kind of blend in uh which which I think is, a, is very much positive the other one being I really was a role player at Michigan um, for, for pretty much all of my career. Um, but, I, you know, I tried to excel at my role and, and just do my job. Um, but, you know, to, to answer your, your real question, um, it's definitely been, been surreal. I mean, it's, it's hard to really wrap my mind around it. It's interesting that, that this time, um, just obviously being quarantined and sheltering in place, has really been the first time that I've been able to kind of been able to settle down um, and really just kind of think about it. Obviously, you know, when, when you're in the midst of the season, it just always becomes what's next. Um, how can I help this team win? How can I get on the floor? How can I do this or that? Um, quarantine has been unique because it's kind of allowed me to take a, a step back and kind of look at the 10,000-foot view. So it's been, um, it's been great. I mean, obviously, I, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for all the opportunity that I've been given, and I, I just try to make the most of it. Um, the, the organization in Miami uh, has, has been awesome with me in terms of my development and really prioritizing an undrafted guy and giving an undrafted guy opportunity where you look across the league and, and that's really an anomaly. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. And, uh, you know, I just try to go out there and, and make most of the, the minutes that I've given and, um, you know, try to prove the front office and the coaching staff right for throwing me out there. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner bet online. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, NASCAR and soccer leading the way. BetOnline has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. 
Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Wall Street Journal once referred to you as, and I quote, the most improbable player in the NBA, unquote, <laughs> uh, due to your background. Uh, at any either step along the way, at either Michigan or since you've become a professional, does anyone ever ask you, and is there any the remotest kind of curiosity among your, your, your teammates uh, about your background at Williams and the idea, the whole experience of Division Three and, and, and um, you know, in that life that you led that most of them have no idea about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely in Michigan, just because, you know, I was one, one step removed from Williams. Now it's I, it can kind of get blended that I just went to Michigan and, and that part of my story, obviously, because now it's whatever it is, six, seven years ago, um, gets talked about less, which I completely understand. Um, and quite honestly, just because of my time at Michigan, I'm, I'm actually okay with it with no longer hearing, you know, the division three transfer, which is basically what I heard my entire career, uh, <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I wear that, um, that, that proudly and that I, I love representing small college basketball and particularly the, the division three level. So, uh, but a, a lot of that at Michigan for sure. Um, you know, just a lot of questions is how did that happen? How did you end up there? Why would you go there? Um, just all sorts of questions. And a lot of it just comes from a, a place of, of people really not understanding. I mean, growing up in the, the Northeast, I was fortunate enough to really understand the not only the, the, the value of a really good education like a, a Williams, but also the high level of basketball that exists there and um, particularly in those, those small liberal arts colleges in the Northeast. So um, I was fortunate enough to grow up where, where I knew that. And in the Midwest, it's, it's just not as common. Division three definitely has a different reputation. So uh, I'm reading here, you got uh, access to barbers, manicurists, <laughs> golfing, fishing, Motorized boats, that's not bad. Non-alcoholic <laughs> beverages, though, so you can't drink. Bowling. Uh, after hours picks, uh, trips to the, to the theme park. So, like, what's number one for you? I know I told you after we're done here, I'm going to get my first round of golf in at, at Old Newbury, which you said you actually frequented back in the day because it's right down the street from, from Govs. Um, yep. But what, what's the thing? Are you, gonna, are you good at golf? Are you going to take Jimmy Butler's money on the course? Um, I'm solid. I, I can keep it competitive on the golf course. Um, Andre Iguodala is, is a big golfer. So ever since he, uh, he's been in Miami, we've been trying to play a bunch. Um, he's a lot better than I am. He's been playing with a lot better players than I am. Uh, but I, I just try to keep up. So I'm not sure what the first thing I'm going to do is. I did bring my golf clubs just because, you know, he, uh, he encouraged me to do so. Um, <laughs> but probably, probably honestly, the first thing will just be, you know, connecting with, with some of the guys from the other teams, uh, you know, some of my really good friends and guys that I haven't seen in a while. So just the opportunity that, that we're all here and to take advantage of that and, and just kind of catch up should be fun. Yeah. That, that'll be the strange thing for you, won't it? Like just hanging out in, in Orlando, if you can, I mean, I assume in a few days, what, what are the restrictions with that Duncan, as far as like, once everybody's quarantined, are you allowed to kind of roam around the hotel and talk to other players uh, on other teams and hang out with them and play golf with them? Do you, do you know what the restrictions are? So they've, they've discussed it a little bit. Um, we aren't allowed to leave our hotel until the 22nd. Um, and then we'll be able to kind of move around the campus, but there are seven other teams staying in this hotel. So uh, once we're released from this initial quarantine, 
then you can be in the common areas with other guys. So uh, no one's allowed in anyone's room just because they can't control like sanitation in rooms, but the common areas obviously are being cleaned a lot more frequently. So uh, once we're released from this initial quarantine, there'll be a little bit more freedom. And uh, you know, I, I look forward to, to taking advantage of that for sure. I still say you need to get Jimmy on the golf course and take his money. He he's probably sucks at golf. My guess. <laughs> but take take as much money. You know, think about all the money he makes anyway. Try to take what you can. 100%. Now I, I would have no problem taking some of his money, like you said. He's, he's got <laughs> when you uh, uh, jumping around here now, when when you first heard that your uh, college coach at Michigan was going to make the jump to the NBA, your thought was. I wasn't very surprised, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I was happy for him, first and foremost, knowing Coach Beeline and, and knowing how competitive he is. I had kind of anticipated that that jump was going to happen at some point. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily surprised that it happened when it did. I, I am surprised that it, it didn't work out, um, or at least in such a short time period, um, both parties decided that it wasn't going to work out. I mean, I, I think – Coach Bilan is an incredible coach. Obviously, he's, he's proved it throughout his entire career. Um, and I think that that, that situation was, was a challenging one for both parties. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, it, it didn't come together and, and didn't work out. I think that, you know, his, his track record speaks for itself in terms of uh, what he's been able to do. And, and I actually I, – I still maintain the stance that his stuff and, and particularly X's and O's works at any level. Um, and for sure would work at the NBA level. Unfortunately, I think that there's, there's so much more, as you guys know, there's so much more that comes with coaching, particularly at the NBA level. Um, and it's not just about X's and O's. And I, and I know it's not that just in college as well, but he had just grown so accustomed to, to coaching in college. Um, and it was, it, was, it was an adjustment, obviously, as anyone I think would expect it to be. So um, I think he's an incredible coach. Obviously, he's, he's done so much for me. Uh, I feel indebted to him just given the fact that he took such a chance on me when he certainly didn't have to do. So uh, we still stay in touch. It's, it's great to, to stay in touch and you know, I'm close with his family as well. So uh, I know, I know he's doing well now. I know he's disappointed with how everything turned out, but um, you know, that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. I'm with you. Like, I think there were several factors, right. That, that played into that there is he didn't maybe have the right team number one, but <laughs> you also have to adapt a little bit. And I'm not sure he did that right away. I mean, I heard the stories that, you know, right off, right out of the gate, it was like, all right, we're going to do 45 minutes on footwork. And like, right. you do that with like Kevin Love and, you know, Tristan Thompson, they're looking at him like, well, what the hell are we doing here? Like, I get it with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, you might be able to do that, but you need your veterans to buy in. I mean, that's sure. right. Isn't that the biggest thing in the NBA? You're watching it now. Um, up close in Miami, you you have to have your better your veterans buy in, and obviously Spoh's a little bit different because he's done it for so long. He's got complete buy in, probably from everybody from top to bottom. Where Beeline hadn't done it in the NBA, he'd done it in college, but that doesn't matter to a lot of the NBA guys, does it? Yeah, and and I think it's it's very different in terms of an NBA coach is is a partnership with its players, and you you really said it too, and. You want your, your veterans and your older guys to, to be on the same page and enforce the words of what the head coach is saying. So if it's not a, a united front in that respect, then you start to get a, a frayed locker room, which is, you know, as I'm sure you guys know, dangerous at any level. Um, but particularly at the NBA level when 
you know, in reality, there's, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of egos, there's, there's a lot going on. And that's in every locker room. I'm not just saying that's, that's in the Cavaliers locker room. Um, so it's, it becomes very much about managing that situation. And, uh, you know, in college, just speaking truthfully, it's, it's very different. It's, you know, he's bringing in the players, recruiting them. Um, he's having the final say over minutes. Um, you know, there's, you take out the entire variable of payment and money and contracts, which obviously is a huge driving force in the NBA. Um, and it just becomes a, a different relationship that players are allowed to have with their coaches in terms of college in that it's basically their program. Um, and in the NBA, it's, it's just a very different dynamic. So I totally see how that adjustment would take time for any coach um, to really kind of get a hold of and be able to navigate. And my capacity a second. Will he will he coach in college again? Do you think, or is he done? I know I'm putting you in the spot. I, no, no, it's it's a fair question. Um, truthfully, I, I've thought about it a lot myself. I I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised just knowing who he is as a competitor. Um, I think it would really have to be the right situation. I could see him doing it coming back. I could also see him, you know, working as an advisor for a, for a program, whether it be an NBA team or a college team or. Um, you know, something like that. I could also see him doing that as well. In my capacity as throwing out random thoughts to take full advantage of your experience, and I mean this sincerely, um, I'm a big college basketball freak. Uh, uh, I've been, uh, go back a long, long, long way. I've been over, Jeff and I have a little dispute as to how many of these I can legitimately count, but I've got 201 venues. I well, tell them how you count them. Let, let, let's let Duncan weigh in to whether it's really 201 or not. I, I say it's not. Why, Bob? Why, why, do I, why am I skeptical? We haven't had this discussion in about five months, so I forget what your silly objection is. My, I think my silly objection was, like, you're counting, like, non-actual games at the, the, the home arenas. You were, I don't, it was something weird that you were no, – no, 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 that's not it. I mean, I don't know what to – I'm counting I, – I, I'm so honest about it. I don't count arenas where I saw NBA exhibitions, but I've never seen a college game. I don't count them. So, the, uh, no, I, I can't count them. But I do count uh, college arenas where I saw NBA exhibitions. Is that what you're objecting right. to? Yeah, well, that's one. Definitely. Definitely. That's stricken. Well, I, Absolutely not, Bob. Robert? Uh, well, anyway, all right. I want to get to my question. Um <laughs> Duncan, in your experience, you get in so frustrated on this, Duncan. It's the best thing in the. The only <laughs> thing that rattles Bob Ryan is when I question him on how many arenas he's been to. The, the naive—it's just astonishing. But anyway, um, the Big Ten. Um, what arena most fa- visiting arena for you most was intriguing, fascinating, intimidating, memorable? I'll put it that way. That you, you know, the, uh, in your experience. That, that's a good one. I'll start by saying this. I have a running Excel sheet of every uh, arena or gym that I've ever played in in my college and, and professional career. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I, I, got a, I got a similar thing going. I have uh, – it's funny. My favorite part about it is looking at the – because I put the arena, the location, and the capacity and seeing that I was playing, you know, and like – the attendance, sorry. And, uh, you know, in front of like 800, 900, 700, and then all of a sudden it, it jumps to, you know, 18,000 um, at Assembly Hall uh, when, I, when I made the jump to, to Michigan. So I definitely uh, I share a similar sentiment to you, Bob. So that's awesome to hear. But uh, I would probably say either Assembly Hall or uh, the Breslin. Um, obviously, you know, the Breslin is, is unique just because of the, the rivalry. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Michigan State, University of Michigan. 
just obviously both those uh, places hold a, a lot of angst towards each other. So to be in that arena, um, I was fortunate enough to, to be, I think, a one and one there. Um, I know we got one and we might have lost two. I'm, I can't really remember looking back. But um, I would probably say that one just in terms of it's kind of an older building. Uh, they do a really good job of, of putting the fans right in the lower bowl. So just an incredible atmosphere for sure. One of my all-time favorite places, and I realize it's not everyone's cup of you-know-what, because, number one, there's a raised floor, and I uh, never played on a raised floor. But uh, I just love the funky old-time atmosphere at Minnesota. I love that place. Yeah. No, the, the barn is fun, for sure. We, uh, we've had some great games there. Uh, towards the end of my career, they got really good, and uh, we had a couple overtime games, which were a ton of mm. fun. So that's for sure a, a special venue, just in that it's – it's different and kind of quirky, but they do a really good job of packing it out, and it, it gets loud, too. And the PA guy sounds like this. It sounds like he's talking to a, a megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I remember that specifically, but uh, I won't doubt you on it. So, confidence, Duncan. I, I remember T.J. McConnell, when he graduated Arizona, he called me, and he's like, do you think I'm good enough? Like, legitimately, he wasn't sure. Then he gets in the league. And he understands he's good enough. Um, how was it for you? How has it been for you? Kind of at every step, have you questioned yourself or have you gone into it every step of the way saying like, I know, I mean, have, when you went into the NBA as an undrafted guy, were you thinking I can be a starter in this league or, or is it kind of a progression where you understand it? No, you, you absolutely question yourself or at least I do. Um, you know, honestly, a, a big part of my career and, and the steps that I've made have, have always been about really convincing myself that I belong um, and kind of developing that, that deep inner belief that I do belong. It's a, it's a process, like you said. Um, it's not a switch that you turn on and off. I'm Personally, I'm not one of those guys that you, know, you, you hear about those, like, irrational confidence guys who can just put them in any setting and they're fine. Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero? <laughs> I mean, he has supreme confidence. That's part of why he's such a good player. Um, but I, truthfully, I'm, I'm just not that guy. So for me, it's, it's a combination of things. Um, you know, I, I try to derive my, my confidence, first of all, from, from knowing I'm prepared for opportunities. And that's obviously, you know, repetitions, time you put in away from, from game opportunities or practice opportunities. And then the other one is obviously, you know, your confidence builds when you experience success and you see that work, you know, kind of come to fruition. So it, it compounds in that regard. And, you know, one thing I've definitely done, uh, and obviously this is just having uh, availability to resources is since I've been in the NBA, I've, I've worked a lot with a, like kind of a mental training coach. Um, and he's helped me a lot just in terms of the thoughts that come into my head, how to handle them, how to approach the game um, and that sort of thing. And, and that's really, really helped me. I, I understand totally that a lot of people don't have access to that sort of thing, but sometimes it's just about being, you know, mindful and present and um, you know, whether it be meditation, visualization, however you want to do it, there's, there's different ways to do it. Um, but I think that that part of the game is, coming increasingly more and more important. And I think as you move up, um, it becomes more important because the, the gap between skill sets is, is marginal. Um, it's not, there isn't the same discrepancy where you can just go out and dominate a high school game just because you're really talented. Uh, it, it gets very different as, as you move up, I've learned. Yeah, I'm just thinking um, uh, and listening to that, and I'm trying to, uh, the talent gap, um, I don't know, I know our coaches can't talk about other players without sounding like they're tampering, but uh, I, I was okay to ask you uh, if there's a player 
who's blown your mind, you know, or since you, uh, you know, got up close and personal in this, in this league? Um, I, I would probably say Giannis. Um, just, That's just where I was watch. going. That's where I was fishing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I think every it's, it's hard not to take note of it. Um, just every night is his relentless approach. Um, you, you can almost just kind of see it. You can certainly see it in, in how he plays. Um, he's just always in attack mode. The numbers that he puts up every night obviously are, are ridiculous. Um, and it's, it's just relentless. I mean, I know I just said that word, but it's the best way to describe it. Um, he's, he's nonstop and he just, he comes across as, as the ultimate competitor. So I have a lot of appreciation for that. I, I've seen it in a, in a variety of guys, you know, I remember last year um, and Victor Oladipo spends a lot of time in, in Miami as well. So um, just being able to, to watch him work um, was, was also pretty special. And the way he approaches the game, you know, he's just another guy who's always in attack mode. How, um, how hard was this for you? Because you were, you were playing the best basketball. I mean, you three of your last four games, I think you had 20 points uh, before the season was shut down. I, obviously, it's a different level. I'm not going to put you in the same level yet as Jason Tatum. Maybe someday, but not yet. He was out of his mind, right? Out of his yeah. mind for the month before it shut down. And I wonder if he's going to be able to come out of the gates and, and, and have that same confidence. Um, do you worry about that? Do you worry that you had it probably? Your, your confidence was probably higher than it ever had been in your life on the court. Do you worry of, of that long layoff that you're not going to, if you don't make shots early or whatever, that you're, you, you're not going to have that? Um, I mean, it's, it's different, right. In, in that no one's ever had to be in the middle of a season, take a three month hiatus and then come back and, and go for a playoff push. Um, for me, I, I've tried to flip it as a positive in that, you know, we all are, we're all rested now. Um, we've all been staying in shape or at least trying to, um, you know, I, I certainly feel like I'm in really good shape and, you know, it, it'll be an adjustment to work back into it, but, but at the same time, um, you just kind of, kind of got to trust on your habits, trust on your routines. Um, and then also, you know, I, I feel really confident in our group. So, so that helps a lot in that, uh, you know, I feel like as a team, we're in a really good place and, um, you know, obviously it's, it's hard to control some of the variables that are going to be thrown at us in this kind of unique situation, but just kind of got to learn to take them in stride and, and just adjust. How much confidence do you have that we're going to pull this off? I mean, we still got a few weeks until the first real game. Everybody's hoping. I mean, everybody, I think it's pinning our, our hopes on the NBA more than any other league because of the, what Adam Silver's done with the bubble, right? I mean, he, he's done more than any other league to try to, uh, make it work and, 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 you know, account for every factor and, and everything. And you guys have fewer players. But the downside is obviously you're indoors. Uh, you're sweating all over each other. You're, you know, it's, that, that's not the same as maybe some of the other sports like baseball. Um, how, what, what's your confidence level? Well, I, I think to answer that question, it, it starts with you have to acknowledge the, the efforts that the league has put forth. And, and you really said it in they've gone to great, great lengths to ensure player safety. Um, I mean, the operation that they have set up down here is, is pretty incredible. Um, just the, the complexity and all the moving parts. And so far, obviously, I know it's, it's like hour 20 right now that I'm down here, but there have not been many, many bumps in the road that I've seen. So I think first and foremost that, that their efforts should certainly be applauded. And I, and I think 
in terms of my confidence, I feel good about it in that I do feel like the players in the league are pretty much a united front and that everybody wants to play. Um, I understand that there are some, you know, just health factors at risk that might just overcome that want to play. And we, we might get to a point where regardless of how bad we want to, it might not be able to happen. Um, that's obviously a realistic possibility, but I, I, I don't foresee that being an issue just because of all the efforts that the league has done um, to ensure safety. So I think that the fact that everybody wants to play and the league has, has certainly done their due diligence. And obviously, you know, as players, we also assume responsibility to, to be safe and to be following their guidelines as well, which, you know, I, I, I do believe that, that we will do. You going to call the hotline on, on any of your teammates if you see them leaving the hotel? Going to a club? Uh, I I don't plan on that only because I don't I don't imagine anyone leaving the the premises. You know we got everything we need here in Orlando, man. It couldn't get it's a much big better. question though. Hey, it's a big question for a lot of guys. If you see, I mean, listen. The part of it is who's who out of their right mind is going to leave and go to a club, Duncan? Because number one, you go to a club, whoever you are, and you get videoed. It's going to be oh, totally. you're done. You're done. You're going to yeah. get crucified, and then. Whoever the leader is on your team, whether you're the Lakers and LeBron, I mean, I wouldn't want to endure the wrath of Jimmy. Um, if, if you're leaving and he catches you leaving, uh, if you're one of the players on the Heat. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I will certainly uh, be spending the entirety of my time in Orlando in the bubble. Uh, that, that will not be a concern. Robert? No, I'm just, uh, just going over listening? this. Gentleman. Yes? You're not going to ask him, like, his best uh, Jimmy Butler or Spo story? Like, uh, Spo, yeah, I want to talk about Spo. Uh, this is a guy, I'm sure you know, you're, you're clearly, I'm sure, a student of the game. Um, he had to overcome uh, a lot of skepticism in the beginning uh, about his coaching ability. Uh, uh, he was so young. Uh, he was unknown to the general public. He didn't have a profile. Uh, and now he's become one of the – I won't say elder, but, you know, entrenched, solid uh, representatives of, of the profession. Uh, you know, you're, you're encountering him in the, really in the peak of his, of his career. What, just how would you describe him? If, if some uh, team, you know, somebody just got traded and they said, tell me about Coach Spo, you would say what? I think, I think the first thing that, that jumps off um, to me is just that he's a worker. Um, I mean, he's always in our facility. And to, to see somebody who's accomplished all that he has at his point in his career um, and still just have that really maniacal approach uh, towards the game in terms of preparation and making sure, you know, no stone is, is unturned um, is really inspiring and in, in that it, it demands a, a lot out of the players and it also demands respect. So obviously, you know, his, like you said, his, his track record speaks for itself and that that alone should garner respect, but also the habits that he displays on a day-to-day basis um, – demands respect as well. So I, I would say that. And then also, you know, one thing that I, I really appreciate about him is uh, he's very thoughtful in terms of he doesn't he, – he understands how much goes into the game and that a, a lot of the times it's so much more than just X's and O's. And he's very innovative in that he's talking to us about different stuff in terms of mindfulness, in terms of, you know, your approach to a game or your approach to a warm-up or your approach to a practice um, and just being thoughtful about how you approach the game. Um, and then lastly, one thing that I really appreciate about it is just his transparency. Uh, it's definitely, an, it's been an adjustment for me and um, that I haven't always played for coaches that are like this, but he very much pulls back the curtain um, in terms of what he's thinking. 
and is very honest and forthright about roles, playing time, where you stand. Um, and for, from a player's standpoint, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, as professionals, I think everybody can handle that. And as men, I think everybody can handle that, whether it's um, whether you like it or not, it's the, the honest truth about where you stand. And it also allows you to at least take that variable about, I wonder what the coach is thinking out and it allows you to focus on, okay, so this is what I need to do to get on the floor. So um, from that, that respect, I, I really appreciate how he handles it um, in that way. And, and just across the board, I mean, obviously, you know, I've, I've had the, the privilege of playing for some, some very renowned coaches, but uh, I've learned a ton from him, both offensively, defensively, just about the game in general, um, and just about all the things off the court as well. I've, I've certainly taken a lot away from playing for him, and I'm, I'm very appreciative for the experience for sure. I love what that organization has done, and obviously Spo leading the charge of not caring what you've done before, right? You and Kendrick Nunn are like the ideal examples of this. Um, you came in, nobody knew who you were, and it's if you're good enough, like in college, it's different. You know this. In college, it's if you're a high recruit, we got to play you. We got to yeah. in order to get the next top recruit. And I think even in the NBA, there's some guys, hey, if you're making a lot of money, you got to sure. play them. Where, where it seems like for Spo, that, that shit doesn't matter. It's like whoever gives us the best chance to win, and he develops guys too. I mean, look at what he's done with Bam. And I've seen Bam since he was in high school. And I thought it, at Kentucky, honestly, I thought he was kind of underwhelming and not utilized the right way. But uh, I, I just feel like Spo does such a good job, and, and you probably touched on a little bit, it's communication, a lot of it. But it's developing guys and find out where to put them that they can succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I can really speak to my experience in that one of the first conversations that, that I had with him um, was a unique one in that so much throughout my, my pre-draft process, it was, okay, you can shoot. Let's check that box. How can we get you on the floor? Um, and it was, you know, you need to be able to do this, this, and this. With uh, Coach Spo, it was different in that you already can shoot, but we want to turn you into an elite shooter in that – we want to have you flying off of screens. We want to have you running off of handoffs, coming off of, you know, floppy action, different sort of stuff. So they wanted to really develop the skill that I thought I already had. Um, and then on top of that, also, of course, develop the other areas of my game uh, defensively and, and being in the right spots and, you know, physically my body conditioning, all that stuff. But it was, it was a unique approach in that they wanted to raise an area of my game that a lot of people had just already assumed, oh, he does that at an NBA level. We don't need to touch that. Um, so I, I really appreciated that just because I thought it was a refreshing look at um, just development and that it was a, a very different approach. I almost forgot the um, elephant in the room with the Miami Heat, which is to what extent do you ever feel the presence or the uh, influence of Pat Riley? Well, you, you certainly feel it. Um, you know, all of our, our culture – an approach, uh, you know, flows from the top, which is him. And uh, he's certainly implemented it into the organization uh, to the point where, you know, Spo is very much an extension of him and that they're always on the same page, which is another thing that I, I really enjoy about the organization is that it's very much a united front. Um, so you know what, what they expect of you, you know what they want of you. And it's, it's high demands, of course, um, because they, they want you to be in the best shape. They want you to approach the game the right way they want you to care about the right things um and if you're not you're held accountable and that's everybody that's not just the undrafted guy like myself but that's it's also Jimmy Butler um who's you know obviously a big time signing 
this past offseason for us. So everybody's treated the same, which I also think is a, an anomaly in the NBA as well. At least from my experience, obviously I only have one experience in Miami, but from the stories I've heard or, or whatnot. So what, what's on tap the next 48 hours or now 36 hours that you really can't do uh, much? you got a fire stick they left for you there, but probably like us, you've seen every TV show that you uh, already wanted to see. There's not a whole lot left on the table now. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, you bring like books, like what, where, where are we at now? Yeah, I, I got some books that I brought. Um, so I've, I've been trying to read a lot more during, during quarantine. Um, so that should be some of it. Uh, also spent some time just catching up with people. Um, and obviously everyone's so curious about this bubble thing. So people have been reaching out uh, from all over. So I, I got to respond to some people, get back to some people, get on some phone calls and FaceTimes and stuff. Um, we also got a, a Pilates workout here in a little bit. Uh, that we'll all do as a team on Zoom. So, you know, get a, get a little sweat, a little stretch. Um, yeah, so it, it's good, man. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's, it's hard to complain. I think tomorrow we're supposed to start our practice, um, assuming all goes well with the tests. So, yeah. Have you done anything? You've done nothing. Like, what, what have you guys done together yet, other than one-on-o stuff with somebody rebounding for you in gloves and, and a mask? Anything? We haven't done anything. Um, so we've been doing, you know, all sorts of drills just with the single coach. Um, so we've been doing like defense stuff, uh, but obviously, you know, it's, it's closing out on nobody. It's, it's sliding against nobody. It's so it's, it's very different. Obviously once you, um, you're good at your, that, right? against, you're very good at that. I said, you're very good at that defense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's easy to close out to nobody. Um, but yeah, so, so we'll, I'm sure we're going to tomorrow, it'll be like our first practice as a, as a unit, um, all back together again. So I'm sure they will be, you know, working back into, to both offensive and defensive shape, just in terms of, you know, shell drill and offensive spacing and that sort of thing. How, how will that be? Do you think it'll be strange, like getting up in the guys, like for you mentally, you haven't done it in so long. Um, a lot of guys, listen, a lot of college guys around the country, have been playing pickup throughout all this. You probably know this, you know other guys. Yeah. Probably a lot of NBA guys have played pickup. It sounds like you really haven't. Will it be strange when you're when you're trying to get up in somebody that first time in your head of mentally, like, can I do this? Should I be doing yeah. this? Yeah, it'll be an adjustment. Um, I mean, I, I can say for sure our entire team hasn't. So we'll, we'll all be in the same boat. Um, so we'll all be kind of going through it together. So it'll be – It'll be an adjustment for sure, but uh, also we, we got a lifetime of habits of, of doing it that way, so I'm sure we'll revert back to our old ways pretty quickly. Before we close, Duncan, I just want to tell you, uh, up there in Williamstown, Mass, Dick Quinn says hello, and he remains one of your biggest fans. Ah, DQ. He's a great guy. He's uh, him and I are always in touch. Yeah, he's, that guy loves Williams College. He's, he's a special guy for sure. Uh, he's he's been great to me throughout my career. Obviously, when I was there, but since I've left as well, so it was it was fun to be able to come back to um, Boston and, and play in the Garden in this year and see him there. So that was fun. Hey, where, where's your go-to spot in Portsmouth for like lunch? I got popovers. 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 Popovers is, is great. Um, I'm trying to think, Matt. Believe it or not, I haven't been back in Portsmouth in, in a long time. Really? Um, just obviously because of this and. I was really hoping to get back there for at least a week uh, in the summer, but uh, I'm trying to think. Nothing's jumping out to me right now. I, I really like uh, – it's in Kittery, but I, I really like Locos, Cocos, Tacos. 
Um, it's like a, it's a Mexican spot in Kittery. It's like right on the other side of the bridge. It's it's good. So that's probably all the outlets. It's before the outlets. It's literally right. You're coming through Portsmouth. It's right on the other side. Of the really? Yeah. We yeah. Get so you have to check that one out. When, when when we have a break and we can get you know you Niang and Conanton together, uh, there you we go. Got to do that. We'll get Bob in person. We'll do like a, a big pod in person uh, if there's enough time in between you guys getting back. Who who knows? I mean, you're not gonna have a whole have a whole lot of time in between the end of this year and uh, and the start of next season. But listen. We, we appreciate you coming on. Um, good luck with everything. Hope to see you on the court soon, man. Uh, it'll be good. I think it'll be good for all of us uh, mentally to see the NBA back, to um, see real – listen, TBT is great. I love the TBT. I love it. But it still ain't the NBA. Yeah. No, I will say that it has been fun to watch the TBT just get, a, you know, some live basketball. But I, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. Uh, sorry I brought some bad luck with the uh, – the technical problems, Bob. No, That's not, my bad. It's not you. Trust me. It's not you. It's Bob. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Thanks again. Uh, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Duncan.